Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. Wonderful to be here, and uh, the ministry that you saw is your ministry. You're, you're one of 850 churches throughout the United States and Canada that lives in a partnership. That's what the word covenant means. It lives in partnership to live with God and for God, and I want to want to thank you for that. And I'm glad today's uh, Grandparents' Day. I didn't know that as I was uh, uh, coming, but I'm a grandfather. Uh, we have three daughters and three granddaughters. We don't do boys in our family, I guess, but... <laughs> Uh, three daughters, three granddaughters. The odds of having three granddaughters followed by three daughters is 64 to 1, just in case you were wondering. Uh, but it is wonderful to be here. And it's, uh, it's an honor to be here because there are so many people in this church that I've respected for uh, so long. Uh, Dr. Stanley Long, one of the great Christian statesmen in all of North America. And he has uh, he served this family of churches in so many ways, both at a conference level and denominational level. He's been on our executive board. He's chaired our uh, annual meeting and uh, uh, an example of, of what it means to be a, a wise and persistent follower and leader of Jesus Christ. Uh, then your pastor, uh, Pastor Brian, uh, is a peer among peers. <clears throat> He's the, uh, the vice chair of um, our Association of African American Ministers and um, uh, pulls them together and, and uh, uh, works at, uh, at helping um, all of our pastors, not just African American pastors, but all of our pastors gain traction for being faithful and fruitful uh, in ministry. Uh, Michael Wilson, layperson in your church, is on our Covenant Executive Board uh, right now. Uh, a supportive and a, and a perceptive member. Uh, uh, and then you've sent people into ministry that impact the covenant as well. So Reverend uh, Robert Johnson, a covenant chaplain in Turlock, uh, one of the, one of the uh, people with the greatest pastoral hearts you'll, you'll, ever, you'll ever know. And then um, uh, sh- uh, she's not lived in this area. She's moved to Arizona, but Yvonne Devon um, heads up our... Uh, our AVA ministry, Advocates for Victims of Abuse, where uh, churches that are serious about uh, issues of domestic abuse have resources, and Yvonne heads up that uh, whole area for us. So thank you for your partnership in the way that you help us be more faithful in mission uh, together. Well, uh, as Pastor Brian mentioned earlier, you're doing a, a series on prayer, and a number of you I know as a church went to see uh, the new film, War Room. Um, you know, there's an interesting uh, factor about modern-day war. You know, the first objective in modern warfare is not to attack the army. The first objective in modern warfare is to knock out the enemy's communication. You don't attack the enemy army first. You attack their communication infrastructure. And why is that? Because it creates confusion and it prevents coordination. You can't counterattack if you can't communicate. And so what uh, does Scripture say? Scripture says we have an enemy. And what do you think the enemy's strategy is? It's to knock out our communication with God. 
And so this morning, we're going to talk about prayer and how prayer works and, and why prayer works. And I want to say this as an overarching principle. Prayer, prayer works because God's heart is turned toward you. Prayer works because God's heart is already turned towards you. We see that in uh, Jesus' teaching on prayer in Luke chapter 11. So I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles or turn on your Bible app and uh, turn to uh, Luke chapter 11, where we'll see an unfolding teaching of Jesus. And as he unfolds that teaching, we're going to see the key principle that God's heart is turned towards you. Now, Luke chapter 11 comes after Luke chapter 10. And uh, I knew you were a perceptive group that way. Uh, so, uh, but in Luke chapter 10, um, something important is happening. The disciples are learning about joining God in God's mission. And so Jesus sends out the 72, and, and they see amazing things happen through the power of God. And then right after uh, that teaching, or the, the experience that they have in going town to town as the 72, uh, as they come back, Jesus teaches about the Good Samaritan, that uh, everyone is our neighbor. So chapter 10 is all about joining God in, in God's work in, in the world. But then things begin to shift. Uh, uh, they're in the home of uh, Mary and, and Martha, and, and uh, Martha's running around uh, uh, hosting this, this entourage of Jesus. And, and she's getting upset because Mary's sitting, listening to the teaching of, of Jesus. And, and Martha, uh, once in a while, Mary isn't helping. And, and, and Jesus says, no, Mary is doing a good thing. And, and so after all of this activity of, of uh, impacting the world, it, it, Jesus says, no, wait, no, no, there's still that that time of intimacy with God that's important. And, and that leads right into into this section. Uh, one of the disciples oversees Jesus praying and, and, and says, Jesus, teach, teach us to pray. So do you see the rhythm that's taking place in, in these two chapters? There's this joining God in the world, but, but then there's also encountering God in our own lives. Uh, so I want you to think about uh, the letter X. And, and it happens also to be the exact same form as the Greek letter Chi. And, and so actually think about the Greek letter Chi because that's the first letter in the Greek spelling of Christ or Christos. The first letter is, is Chi, which looks just like a letter X. But, but it reminds me of the simple rhythm of, of, our, of our Christian faith. So, so an X or a Chi, it, it begins out wide, and, and it reminds us uh, that as it comes down to that singular point that all the love of God that exists in the universe still comes and pinpoints down right onto our own life. But then the bottom half of that chi, the bottom half of that X spreads back out and reminds us that, that we're to take that love back out into the world. So as we, as we think about the first letter of the name of Christ, it reminds us of, of that simple rhythm of living with God and, and for God, that, that we go deeper in Christ and, and then we go further in mission. And Luke 11 begins with, with, the, with the disciples saying, we've had all these amazing experiences joining Christ in mission in the world, but, but 
it's also caused them to, to have this hungering for a deeper experience of intimacy with God. And, and so they oversee Jesus praying and, and they make this request of him when he's done. Lord, teach us to pray. And in that very request, there's a recognition about themselves. That, that very request displays that they're aware that there's something more to pursue and experience in their own life. Do you realize how countercultural that sentiment is, especially right now? The trending in our culture is to the elevation of self, more, more so than at any time I can ever remember. Our culture has always valued individualism, and rugged individualism is part of our cultural psychology. But, but now it's actually being raised to a philosophical construct, to, to a philosophical point of view that, that resists any acknowledgement of any dependence on anything other than the right of the individual to say, this is how I see it, and this is how I will do it. That's, that's the... the uh, the bane of humanity since the very beginning, since the garden. But our culture bombards all of us, and especially our children, with self-first messaging. Dale Keene is a, a covenant layperson who's a professor of uh, political science at a college in New Hampshire. And he, he wrote a book called The I World, as in me, myself, and I. And he, he coins a phrase of, of hyper-individualism, that that's the day and age that we're living in now, hyper-individualism. So ponder this for a minute. You know, given, especially given technology, we can be a demigod, a small god. I, I, I mean, literally, we can. We can create our own private world to our own specifications, we can be omniscient through Google. We can be omnipresent through Facebook and other social media. We can create our own world. We can be anywhere we want to be. We can connect with anybody we want to connect with. We can access anything we want to access. It's hard to live a God-first life when we live in a me-first environment. But the I world warps our basic human wiring because we're not designed for it. We're, we're designed for the our world, the, the world of relationships. If you believe like I do that God's commands point us to where life finds meaning. In other words, God says meaning is over here. Go in that direction. That's what God's commands do. They point us to where life has meaning. Then the two greatest commands point us to relationships with God and with others. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And here as we watch, uh, watch Jesus pray, as the disciples watch Jesus pray, they sense that there is more to experience. And that very acknowledgement is the beginning of a deeper journey. Now, I grew up here in the, in the Bay Area, and by the way, my, my brother and his wife, Jan, are here. For, they drove down from uh, Santa Rosa to be with us this morning. <clears throat> but this, uh, you know, the Bay Area is home turf for, uh, for our family. And I love coming back here. The, the, the scenic beauty just kind of replenishes me when I'm, 
when I'm back in this area. But it's not just right here in the Bay Area, right? We're, we're two hours from incredible other kinds of natural beauty. Now, now imagine you, you've gone to Yosemite, and, and you go to the visitor center, and you see a 10-minute video of all that's in Yosemite, and, and you take a short hike around the visitor center, and then you get back in your car. And you say, yeah, I've explored Yosemite. Have you really? No, you've come to the visitor center. You've come, you've come to the place that, that says how much more awaits if you just keep going on these, on these roads and these paths and take these hikes. And, and, and we can say, yeah, I know God. But, but the disciples are saying, no, there's more. There is more. And, and if we're just hanging around the entrance, we're never going to experience all that God has forward for us. And so the request of, this, of the disciples marks their beginning point. They're, they're saying we've seen enough that we want to experience more. And, and they commit themselves to, to, to Jesus, help us experience this deeper intimacy with God. Now, to understand how Jesus unfolds this answer, it's helpful in your mind to uh, be thinking of a Russian doll. I think they're technically called nesting dolls. But, do- you know, dolls, you open it up, there's another doll. You open it up, there's another doll. Because there are three dolls in, in this passage as it unfolds. And each one takes us to a different level of understanding. So that, that outer layer uh, comes uh, in verses 2 to 4. And you recognize this as a variation on the Lord's Prayer, found in its more familiar form in Matthew 6. But here Jesus says, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. What what Jesus has done is give them a framework for prayer, an agenda for prayer. And when you look at it and when you study it, you recognize that this is really an invitation to bring all of life before the Lord. Every dimension of life is touched on in that agenda. So in teaching us to prayer, uh, to pray, Jesus begins by, by underscoring that every dimension of life is fair to bring before God. There is nothing in your life that God doesn't want to hear about. There is no part of your life that God cannot touch. And that's the first message that that Jesus wants to underscore. You can pray about anything. You can pray about everything. Because I care about everything in your life. So this morning, are are you going through a a time of of pain or or disappointment or, or discouragement? Well, remember that hope comes when we remember that God can and will enter every situation and every circumstance and walk with us moment by moment. The fact that we can pray about everything means that God is always with us in all of life. Think about the friends that that you're closest to. Aren't they people that you can be fully transparent with, who you can talk to about anything? I work with a, a really good group of very capable leaders, And we talk about the importance of having a no-filter relationship with each other, that that we can feel the freedom to say what we're thinking and what we're sensing. And God invites us into that kind of no-filter relationship. No need to screen our thoughts or or couch things carefully with God. Just come to him with, 
with, uh, with that direct sense of, Lord, this is what is happening. This is what I need to pour out before you. You read the Psalms and you see that kind of free-flowing pouring out of heart and soul to God. And so Jesus begins at, at this broader level by, by giving us a framework of prayer which is really saying we can talk to God about every dimension of life. But, but then he goes to a second level. Uh, he opens that doll and reveals a, a second doll within it. In verses 5 to 10, he switches from the framework of prayer to the heart of the prayer, the heart of the one praying. And he makes that shift by telling a story. There are two main characters. One is a man who has a house guest who shows up at midnight. And wanting to be hospitable, he wants to offer food, but, but he's out of bread. And so he goes next door to his neighbor's house, who's the second main character, and knocks on that door. And at first, that person won't even get out of bed. He's irritated, in fact, that, that uh, this neighbor is knocking. But because the first man is persistent, he ultimately does give him bread. Now, is this parable saying that God is a reluctant uh, grantor of prayer? No. Now, here's the point of this parable. It's that the first person knew exactly where to go with his need to his neighbor. He knew that is where I need to go. And and that's the message of of this parable that we know. We don't have the resource in our house, but God is the one who can meet our need. And and we go there in that confidence. Uh, But Jesus is underscoring it's that sincerity, that focused effort that's called for from us in prayer. So the point is, The framework of prayer, that we can pray about anything, means nothing if there's no sincerity underneath it. You see, an empty heart makes for empty words. Think about this for a moment. What would happen if Jesus just said, here's the agenda for prayer, and doesn't go on to this second level of, of sincerity? Well, we could easily think that going through the motions is enough, that there's some kind of magic dimension to, to the words. And, and saying the words is, is what matters. And so we end up misplacing our faith, not in the one we pray to, but in the words that we say. And we'd fall trapped to thinking that was the key, that, that it takes prayer out of the dimension of building intimacy with God into the, into the realm of, of uh, well, I'll try this. Nothing else has worked. What do I have to lose? But no, prayer is an avenue of intimacy with God. And, and to remind us, he, he takes us beyond a prayer agenda to highlighting the importance of our own heart, of heartfelt engagement. Uh, before we moved to San Diego, I was a pastor of a covenant church in, in San Diego. And uh, Nancy, my wife, had been working really hard and, and had an opportunity to spend a few hours with uh, some friends on a Saturday afternoon, which I, I really encouraged her to do, just to uh, get a little bit of replenishment time of her own. And, and she said, oh, thank, that's great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some time off with my friends. And by the way, while I'm gone, uh, could you do boom, 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 and boom? And um, I had a football game that I wanted to watch that afternoon. So I said, yes, but never meaning it. Um, and, and I had a plan. At, at halftime, 
I could do a little bit of work. And then she was scheduled to be home after the game would have been over. So I would have had about another half hour to do a little more work. Now, I knew going into it, I would never complete the work. But I could create the appearance that I had been faithful to the task given to me. Well, Nancy got home early. And, and let me just say there was no date night that night. And, and here's the problem. I was willing to settle for an appearance of faithfulness rather than actually being faithful. And we can settle for the appearance of faithfulness, especially as we live our faith in front of of one another and never really get to that dimension of honest faithfulness in engagement with God. An empty heart makes for empty words. God wants more than our words. He wants our heart. So there you have it, right? Beyond the prayer itself is the importance of the heart of the one who prays. That's how intimacy with God is built, by by bringing all of life before God with all of our heart. No. There's one more dimension. One more doll inside the doll inside the doll that stands at the very, very core of Jesus' teaching. Beneath the words of the prayer is the heart of the prayer, yes. But beneath the heart of the one who prays is the heart of the one that we pray to. When you get down to the core, what stands at the center, what stands at the essence, prayer matters because God's heart wants it. God's heart welcomes it. God's heart is for you. Beginning in verse 11, after pointing to the importance of our own heart, Jesus brings us to an even more fundamental underlying dimension, the heart of God himself. Jesus picks on the dads in the group and uses them as an example. Which of you fathers, if uh, if your son asked you for a fish, will give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In other words, if human fathers, as flawed as we are, and we know how flawed we are, if we have at least some innate sense of what it means to have the best interest of our children in mind, even when we fail, How much more true is it of our Heavenly Father, who perfectly has our best interest in mind? As important as our own sincere heart is to the process of building intimacy with God, it only matters because God is first interested in developing intimacy with us. You see, what if it was just our own sincerity that mattered? That if we could just muster up enough sincerity, then, then our prayers would be answered. Well, we would essentially end up trusting in ourselves, thinking that it all depended on us. Hey, if I can just muster up enough faith, I can get this prayer answered. Or, or hey, I, 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 that prayer was answered because I'm so holy. But there, there's a, a flip side to that kind of wrong thinking, too. It, it's, it's a, well, God didn't answer that prayer because I 
failed somehow. If I'd only had more faith, this never would have happened or whatever. And both of those dimensions of thinking it depends on our sincerity lead us to a very dangerous place. But no, prayer is not the marker of personal achievement. The importance of prayer is intimacy with God. And and the fact of the matter is that in the end, beneath it all, that intimacy is possible because of God's own heart. Be open to every dimension of life in our prayer. That's one aspect. A full heart that seeks God is another aspect. But in the end, at the core, intimacy with God is is possible because God has turned his heart towards us. In the end, it's not the prayer itself. It's not the prayer, him or herself. It's because God has turned his heart to hear us. Ernest Hemingway uh, wrote a short story called The Capital of the World. It's about a, uh, a young man Uh, in a small village who uh, has big dreams of becoming a matador. To the disappointment of his father, he he leaves home and goes to the big city of Madrid. And uh, Hemingway uh, uh, tells uh, in that that story a a famous uh, 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 Spanish proverb or fable or story Uh, where a man who is in a strained relationship with his son puts an ad in the newspaper in Madrid. And uh, and in the story, the the son's name is Paco. And and so in the ad, the story, uh, the, the, the ad reads, Paco, all is forgiven. Meet me at the square at noon tomorrow. And as Hemingway tells the story, 300 young men named Paco show up at the square hoping that that ad is their father saying all is forgiven. And you know, deep in our heart, there's a longing to know that God stands ready to embrace us. And that's what Jesus is saying in this passage of prayer. You're asking how to build this more intimate relationship with God, how to experience this wondrous love of God more deeply. And it's because God has turned his heart towards us. The nature of love is to give itself away. And here God gives himself to us. Let me close with this. In my role, I have the opportunity to meet many interesting and influential people. Another denominational president and I were invited to the White House for a meeting in the Oval Office between the president and uh, various faith leaders. The meeting was set for 8.30 in the morning, uh, meaning you had to show up at 7.30 at the White House to clear an elaborate security process. I got into town the night before, arranged for a hotel to be nice and close uh, to the White House so I could walk over and not have to mess with uh, uh, commute traffic or, or their metro system. I got all my clothes laid out. I set the uh, hotel alarm clock for 6 in the morning to give myself plenty of time to get ready. Then I went to bed. 
The next thing I remember is my cell phone ringing. It was my friend, desperate to know where I was. My stomach fell. I looked at the clock, and it was blinking red. There had been a power outage in the middle of the night that canceled out the alarm. He told me it was already 7.30, the, the deadline for being there. And I said, well, well tell him I, I'm just around the corner. I'll throw on my suit. I can be there in 15 minutes. And he said, it's too late. They told me to call you to let you know to not bother coming. Oh, boy. The president invited me to meet with him, and I missed the opportunity. Now, two things about this story. First, it's not true. (laughs) But secondly, were you feeling a pit in your own stomach at the possibility that it was? Yes, you were. And you know, God is more powerful than every president and every monarch added together who's ever lived. And he invites you to meet with him. Are you taking that amazing truth for granted? The disciples asked, Lord, teach us to pray. And when you get right down to it, the essence, this is what he taught them. The God of the universe has turned his heart toward you because he wants you to turn your heart toward him. There's an old Stevie Wonder song that goes like this. I love you more today than yesterday, but not as much as tomorrow. May that be true for us in our relationship with God as we come to him about every facet of our life with deep sincerity. May it be, Lord, I love you more today than yesterday, but not as much as tomorrow. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church, located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.